Artistic Director and CEO of Dublin Fringe Festival. And I'm Keen O'Brien, Artistic Director of Project Arts Centre in Dublin. And you're listening to A Wee Boost, a podcast from Dublin Fringe and Project Arts Centre designed to energise creative minds. In each episode, we'll ask some of the artists and thinkers that we look to for inspiration to share what's getting them out of bed in the morning. It's part recommendation list, part pep talk, and essential listening whenever you're in need of a wee boost. <laughs> So this week, In Search of a Wee Boost, is Exanthony, who's an award-winning artist and production house who creates explosive theatre, cabaret and community experiences from Roscommon, based in London. He most recently presented the world premiere of his smash hit musical, Oliver Cromwell is Really Very Sorry, at Project Arts Centre as part of Dublin Fringe Festival 2022. And he called Lucy McCormick to give him a wee boost, another East London cabaret darling. Lucy is responsible for some of the best experiences I have ever had in any art space ever. Her work is always surprising, always searching, and her wildness paired with her rigour makes her one of the few performers I know capable of whipping an audience uh, into a state of genuine euphoria. And her show, Triple Threat, was co-presented by Dublin Fringe Festival and Project Arts Centre in 2017, so some of you might have seen it. Handing you over to Lucy and Anthony. Do you remember that time we did that thing with the Hackney showrooms and they asked us to tell someone, tell the group something that no one knew about you? And I think you said something about, no. Oh, that you were introverted. And I said that I'd milk to sheep. You said you'd what? Milk to sheep. Oh, yeah, that is good. Well, I said, they said, tell us something surprising about you. So I said... I'm an introvert, which probably is true, but I think also that's that is probably me attention seeking, isn't it? Because it's like, well, you'd all expect me to be an extrovert, knowing me. So it was probably slightly performative, but um I think I'm definitely an introvert anyway, but like an introvert that's learned to be an extrovert. Anyway, how are you getting on? How is all the candle wax in Antitus Andronicus? Yeah, it's it's good, thank you. Um, but what are you working on at the moment? Um, no, I'm doing a lot of Arts Council funding bids at the moment because we're trying to tour Oliver Cromwell is really very sorry to Ireland and we have to do this like month-long song and dance for the Arts Council to like put together this bid and oh, make it's, it's as possible. And I'm also That's the just... real side of, you know, showbiz. <laughs> oh. How do you do you do your funding writing writing bidding thingies? Well, I I work with the producer and she mostly does it, but obviously I kind of you know help out. But see, I work with a producer too, but I'm a control freak. Where are you getting your inspiration from right now? Are you kind of in like off mode because you're in that guy Shakespeare's new show with the candles? No, I think I mean obviously any job you're gonna take or that's away from like your own 
making your own personal like creative work you've got to put time and energy into it but I think those jobs kind of weirdly help me think about what I want to do and and give me a bit of space where if you're just like staring at something and like desperately trying to make it work for ages it doesn't work so I think it's actually really good to have other things going on and 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 other projects that I'm doing end up kind of making me think about what I'm working on and maybe what I want to work on um next so it's nice to be able to do a bit of performing but you know not have the pressure of it being um under your name and this whole like thing that you've come up with it's just that's so you know pressurized and scary I think um I quite like having a few different projects on at the same time as long as they're not all on like exactly the same deadline because I feel like it helps get my brain moving a bit um as opposed to say if I'm just and it's also it's that thing of like don't put your eggs in one basket if something's not quite doesn't turn out quite how you wanted it to it's like oh well it's not the end of the world um sort of slightly false way of making me less stressed about one thing yeah that's the thing about you know if you want something done give it to a busy person and I think that's probably why I do I joke about the control thing but like I'm not making work all the time so I have to do something so I like to do the producey side of things to a certain degree because I get a kick out of it, you know, like I do. Exactly. And also like, you know, hopefully you can pay yourself for that. I mean, let's face it, it does yeah. take a long time to make a show, but it doesn't take all day, every day for a year or whatever. It's like mm-hmm. you have to do other things as well. Um, and are you thinking about your next project while you're in the current one or like, how does your, cause I just finished this on Oliver Cromwell show and like, I hadn't had a good idea in about three years. No lie. Like I was like, this is the only thing I'm thinking about and nothing else can form. And then about a week before the show premiered, I had this new idea about Lourdes, which is like this pilgrimage site that I went mm. to as a teenager twice. I think once mm. because they wanted me to be not gay and the second time because they thought I might make a good priest. But like wow. the um, the nightlife in Lourdes is insane. It has this like debauched hedonistic life nightlife. And I was like obsessed with this new idea. But like, do you like, does it take like what's the rate at which you're kind of coming up with new things or is it just like a slow arduous Kate Bush 12 years process yeah no I I think it is like this slow and steady thing and I feel similar like the show that I just made um Lucy and Friends um it has so many bits and pieces that have like been in my in my mind or that I've written down from literally like years ago um and obviously some new ones as well um and maybe I just haven't managed to fit them into other shows or they like haven't worked for that for some reason um but like one now I've made that I'm like okay that's it that's me spent like I have nothing like if someone asked me to do like some new material right now I'd be like I bet there is absolutely nothing left in my brain um uh and also when I was making it because again I made it from like bits that I then made this hour-long show um then when you need uh, like oh I need a bit here a bit there and then you're like god now I have to like come up with some material in the room that's really annoying because and sometimes it can feel a bit false from the way that I work because it's much more of a like I don't know like little the way that if you work also um you know in comedy often those things it's like a pun comes you can't like stare at 
a load of words and like make them into a joke or I'm sure some people can but I can't it'll be more like it's sort of it's happened randomly and then I've written it down or something or you know you hear a song and you're like oh that's a kind of visual pun on this that and the other and it just kind of it's more like a collection so yeah I also but I've I mean I've only made I think it was my fourth show this show and uh, I think I've always basically taken at least two years to kind of um get over the trauma of making the other one the one I just <laughs> made and get some new ideas um I mean they take I mean I think two years is a good time I think one thing's like when I was doing the Cromwell show was it took about three or four years to write which I'm really glad it did I think you know I don't want to make work in a in a short period of time anymore I do actually want it to be two years because yeah get really good stuff out of it you're taking your time also why do we have to rush all the time like we're in I mean one of the things in Lucy and Friends was this sort of idea of like uh approaching the machine of like producing work for like audience and cr critic and yeah um, mother and all these things um <laughs> and you're like but why am I doing it for all these people you know it has to you know I don't mind just stepping off the treadmill for a little minute I also do relate yeah. to your idea of like you know your jokes like your audience interaction is like they should be an Olivier Award just for that. And I'm, that's that's the such a nice thing to say, and that is definitely not always the case. I feel like you've definitely just seen like a couple of quite good work in progresses of mine. Because I mean, I'm better now that I don't. I do think that you do. That is something that you actually do just have to practice. And I'm sure you know that as well. And you just kind of, you do get better at it. But definitely, oh, I've done some really dodgy ones in the past. But anyway, it's thank so you. Well, for that. Um, we have to actually answer the question that we've been set to do. We've just been I know. And I feel like I haven't really asked you many questions. Oh, I'm happy just to be anonymous and shy. <laughs> um, what do you do to get um, a wee boost? in your creative, like, I mean, in your life and in creativity, like, what do you do? Right, why don't we both, like, do, like, have five quick fire things you can do for a boost? Okay. Let's think about the listener here. You know, people want answers. They want answers and they're going to get them. Free, free. Um, do you want to go first? Um, Yeah, I'm going to try and say the f first five things that come to my head without thinking about it. Um, go for a walk, steal other people's ideas, um, talk to my best friend, um, buy a notebook and um, drink a coffee. There we go. Four. <gasps> that was five. Oh, sorry. I can't count. Um, what do I do? A, a bath. Uh, I'm I'm straight now. I go to the gym um, where I come up with loads of ideas in the gym. Um, uh uh, oh, cinema, uh, the womb of the cinema. I love cinema. That always helps. Play the PlayStation. I'm just straight painting myself out to be a mat, like a straight mat. That's okay. Um, I, I also wanted to say that I don't really steal you know, other people's ideas, but all art is regurgitated, isn't it? Yeah. Just putting that, just, yeah, just put that one in there. Good to know. Uh, do I, you? I, here's a question: Do you, if you see somebody else's show that's really good, do you feel boosted, or do you just feel a bit scared and um, overwhelmed? Because I do. <laughs> I'm always thrilled when I see people succeed. I feel it's great oh, for everybody. That's the difference between me well. and you. Well, maybe I'm just you know I don't know nicer than me. Maybe, but also maybe I don't 
I don't know. I, when I see work that's not good, I get more angry. No, so, I get really happy. Oh, oh, really? That's so fascinating because, like, I saw a show recently and I was like, this should have been excellent. It's not. And I want to know why. And I'm a little annoyed about it. Um, da -da 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 -da. I don't get bitchy or mean. I kind of, I'm more constructive around, like, why I think it didn't go right. But, like, I'm like, oh, damn it. Another opportunity wasted to show that we're really good as queer people. You know, whatever. So, well, obviously, I, I, I am really pleased when I see a good show but I'm just trying to really be honest and say that when I'm actually trying to make a show and it's not going very well or maybe I've made a show and it's not gone very well I can just I just think seeing I'm just because the question was about what gives you a wee boost <clears throat> I just think you know you have to find a way to not lose your confidence and the energy around what you're doing when it can feel a bit like with Instagram and stuff as well that everyone is doing everything and having all these hits and stuff but ultimately everyone's been through that process of going oh god this is really hard and I just need to keep my head down and work and um yeah I think that that is something that we all have to battle with a little bit you know what does give me a wee boost if I'm feeling threatened by someone which I do, we all do. I actually just, sounds so bad. I unfollow them or block them on Instagram. Mm. I know people who I'm still talking to today, um, like who are, I haven't, I don't, uh, I haven't blocked you, lol. But like, there are some people who I've been like, no, I seeing you upsets me. You're doing really well. And it actually makes me feel really less. So I just said, you know what? If I was in the real world, I wouldn't see them. So I'll just unfollow mm. them or hide them. So I'm just living more and more in my own world and taking the stress of the social media thing out of it. And that has been a massive thing. So like, I only really see the people that I really want to see succeed. And then if there's a few people that make me feel like threatened, I just don't know about it. But like also part of me is also like, you know, we've, I've hired comedians who are TikTok famous and have like 500,000 million followers and they can't kill a line. They can't do a line on stage, uh, a joke, I mean. And yeah. <laughs> they really struggle. Oh. And I'm like, I kind of realized that social media, all that kind of stuff is is a kind of a false kind of. What? Because they are so now just working off that platform that they can't, yeah. they're, they're getting scared to like perform live, you mean? Yeah, the 30 second, 30 second oh, wow. they can control. And then I kind of realized this is all during lockdown. I was like, oh, but you're uh, myself, you know you're a performer who works with liveness. So, you know, if your social media stuff is fine, then it's fine. But really it's about the, you know, the liveness that's important. And if you don't right. have 500,000 followers on TikTok, that's that's fine. Because you'd hope to be around longer than TikTok. But does, but does staying off social media help you when you're making stuff? Well, yeah, it doesn't. It do Like, the thing is, I do sometimes like the, the kind of connection and conversation that you have with people on, like, I just use Instagram really um and like I've thought about turning off comments as well when I when I'm doing a show because it's like I really don't need to know if you hate my show I kind of would like to know if you love my show <laughs> and just have that side of it but that's I guess that's just not how life works um so I've thought about turning off the comments sometimes um and it just being like 
somewhere for me to post about what I'm doing but I do like and want and welcome the aspect where you kind of like get a bit of connection you can actually talk to the people that have watched you and like sometimes that is really nice um so it's a tricky one that uh, you have to be quite um you know I'm just quite a sensitive person as well so I just don't like seeing anything I don't want to see because it will like actually crush my confidence yeah absolutely yeah. people can be really horrible like I remember uh when Edinburgh like people just tweet like we just tweet like the most inane insulting stuff and you're like how is this why would you do that no, that's just, just bullying I just don't I do get addicted to the social media during a show premiere because I love looking for trauma I'm like looking for the reviews I'm googling my name constantly oh like, my god I genuinely stopped reading reviews after I made triple threat really? too stressful so I haven't read a review a review the thing is I you do always end up getting the idea of them because people sort of send me people go oh they said this or you know venues will use quotes from reviews to like market your show so I always get a sense of them and I do get a sense of like the star ratings not that I care about that stuff but it does have an impact on how your show then goes but I genuinely um haven't read any of them in like yeah in years I just I just nah I'm not doing it's that funny I can't you know put myself well. through it yeah, you know yourself as well when you have a show. I had a show years ago that I knew wasn't really good. It was just wrong. It, things were off with it. And I knew the, re the reviews were constantly three stars. And that was so traumatizing because three stars is like the worst. Oh, like, so much worse than like one or two one stars. Or, yeah. And then the recent Cromwell show, I, I was in I actually didn't care. I prepared myself so much for failure that like I had kind of like decided not to check. And then I went to bed after the premiere, woke up the next morning to this five star review from the Irish Times and was like, Oh my God, I'm living as if Santa's just that's, arrived. That's so great. You're like, oh yay, it's actually, it does work out this time. You know what I mean? Oh, that's um, nice. That's so anyway, nice. Yeah, well also, and, and you're right, it does affect the the way people perceive your version of your story, of your reality or like your success, because if they see that, it approves people's sense that you were good or it is good, so they can then go on about how good it is. You know, it's a weird system of like, like, yeah, yeah. it's really weird. Anyway. What are you reading? Uh, I actually am reading something fascinating and this has given me a real boost and I don't tend to read because I find reading really hard um, okay. I only read books that are about history weirdly I'm reading this book called The Religion and the Decline of Magic oh god sounds great it's, it's really good it's actually really all I can say is things have moved forward we're in a much better place today than we ever were and on that note we should wrap up <laughs> on that note see you soon bye uh, bye Thanks to Exanthony and Lucy for that fa fantastic conversation. It's so great to see two artists connect like that. And we look forward to, to seeing Anthony's work hopefully back on our stages in Dublin before long. Now we're going to move into another segment, Postcards to the Edge. This is audio postcards from artists working abroad. They've answered some questions uh, from us and we are thrilled that today's audio postcard comes from Oozing Gloop who describes herself as the world's premier green autistic drag queen. She has completed 500 miles of queer pilgrimage through the coordinates of her unconscious. Here she is.
Why, hello there. My name is Oozing Gloop, and I'm calling you from Berlin, Berlin. So good, they named it twice, darling. Twice. <laughs> I'm sure they absolutely uh, didn't do it because it's so good. I'm sure it's because of some technical, legal, federal federal system of Germany that obliges them to do so and probably something to do with the whole wall situation I would imagine actually it was a bit of a bit of an odd curiosity poking out into the landscape a bit sort of like a a pimple as it were that just shouldn't a pimple far after you finish puberty that just shouldn't be there and um, that's why I like it here and what I can see directly in front of me is a freshly sorted and then shuffled again packet of erotic playing cards that have Tom of Finland illustrations on them because uh, I like them and I was just doing it this morning and I'm in a lovely kitchen with lots of hodgepodge art pieces in them from the street and from like old lady things that are floral without being flowers like embroideries and folded papers and and some art pieces where people have been clearing out their studios and um and let's just say it's not the best stuff <laughs> but it's got a happy home here and then there's a really adorable selection of um of plushy toys from ikea on a gorgeous corner sofa that's right next to the radiator so it's very snuggly and warm and what i'm working on right now my my life my my project is the project it's called tentacular spectacular and it's trying to sort of tap into this like mushroom core zeitgeist that's happening uh in a way that comes from someone i guess who's sort of within it and it's doing that through looking at, at drag cryptids and the way that trans and non-binary people do drag is often people without a natural cisgender tend to don't seem to just be happy performing some sort of gendered imitation as it were often it seems like it's necessary for them to to well for me for example whenever i've done drag i've always painted myself green and i just wanted to be a pretty lady but with a green face and i don't know why <laughs> But now I do, and it's this project, and this project's all about that, and it's because I've just got strong frog vibes, and I never understood that. We didn't have the lexicon for that, and we do now. So this piece is really about about trans frogs, and and I guess as well, it's also about, it's about boglins, actually, which is, I've just been working on this yesterday, which are butt goblins. And this is the new sort of, you know, if the millennial is the subject of the new millennium, the boglin is the subject of, of the new psychological times we've entered, which I would refer to as being the age of the anus, in which we really moved away from phallocentric 
norms of organization sort of like the typical like strong man and classical forms of patrilinear authority and understanding and knowledge making and that sort of logos has just sort of failed us now so that we don't really know what we're doing and we're sort of just skirting around the rim of a, a mucky bog and the the life cycle of a frog of spawn tadpole frog spawn tadpole frog sort of gives us the the rim that the goblin is sort of tickling with its tongue and that's because the you know and the whole world's going goblin like goblin mode was the the 2022 word of the year according to the oxford english dictionary and who could ever imagine them being wrong about anything i have read a wonderful book recently i'd like to recommend called tentacle and <laughs> tentacle is about someone stung by a sea anemone uh, and it's about the preservation of the oceans and coral reefs. And in Donna Haraway's uh, Staying with the Trouble, a really big inspiration for the piece that I'm doing now. It's about decentralised networks, about string figures, different modes of becoming and becoming with and all these things. Coral reefs are an example of this this alternative way of thinking of these these new models that we need to use to understand the ecology and circumstance and that's what this book does it works formalistically to propose new models of narrative it's very complex the time is cycling there's trans identity it's sci-fi it's historic it's just uh it's very normal uh but it's very fantastical at the same time my partner got it for me and they were like do you like it well, did you like it? And I was like, well, absolutely not. But like, is it great? And do I really appreciate that I read it? Like, yes, totally. Like, because one of the characters in it is just awful. And and they're supposed to be awful. That's the point. That's the point. And then somehow they become this human detritus. And you're also complicit with that because you also hate them. But like, also as well, like, no, no one deserves that at the same time. So it's, it's very frustratingly complex, but uh, 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 powerful. And that book is by Rita Indiana. I am just enjoying my morning coffee right now. And the way I give myself a little bit of headspace is uh, this new practice of playing solitaire, which is why I have the erotic playing cards. Because, <laughs> I mean, solitaire is fucking boring. You've got to make it fun somehow, haven't you? <laughs> so, nevertheless, and I just find that that's something that's really helping me with my media addiction that I have right now. Like, I have to be watching reels. I have to be watching YouTube shorts. Curse, uh, I, I, I curse the day that YouTube introduced shorts to its websites. My already struggling attention span. Out the window, Mary. Out the window. What I'm going to do after I finish recording this is, rather unfortunately, I'm going to go and just do a Zoom meeting, aren't I? But let me tell you, in that Zoom meeting because I have already woken up. I am gonna kick ass. Anyway, I hope you have a gorgeous day, week, time, year, lifetime, child, business venture, dream, number two, whatever it is you're gonna do, just make it great, baby. Kick ass. Okay, ciao. 
Thanks so much, Gloop. Hoping to run into you across a dance floor sometime soon. As always, check the show notes for more information about Oozing Gloop's work, or you can follow her on Instagram on oozing underscore gloop. That's your wee boost for this week. Follow Dublin Fringe Festival and Project Arts Centre on Instagram and Twitter for all the latest updates. And huge, huge thanks to our faves, Bourgeois and Maurice, for their amazing theme tune. We'll have a new episode for you next Monday, so stay tuned. And until then, keep creating. Bye. Bye.